All right. Welcome back into Talking Distance. This is the podcast we created to share and spread our passion for all things Indiana distance running. I'm one of your two hosts. I'm Jared Turner, a coach at Yorktown High School, joined by Coach Rick Sluter from Columbus North High School. How are we doing, Coach? Oh, great. We're fresh off the IATCCCCC clinic. <laughs> few extra scenes um, there. Yeah. So we, you and I got to spend a lot of time around each other the last few days. That's, that, that was good. And um, kind of have what we hope is a really good show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely blown away by how many people came up to us during the clinic and said they enjoyed the podcast. That's awesome. We enjoy just freaking talking about Indiana distance running and doing these things. So that's always my main reply is like, well, we enjoy doing it. You know, we enjoy just kind of getting on here and talking about stuff. So glad some other people enjoy it too, but yeah. So you and I are both psychology teachers or high school psychology teachers. So we, we dabble in it. Right. And uh, we've been wanting to do a podcast like this for a while, but just kind of the intertwining of psychology and distance running and how we see the two, you know, kind of come together through, you know, whether it be racing or or the mental makeup of our athletes or, you know, even when it comes to racing and competing and maybe some of the the race anxiety that kids get. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to bring up this topic and and hopefully kind of start a conversation that maybe we'll we'll kind of grow with coaches around the state. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I, I think the big talk, right, the last five years each year growing more is culture, culture, mm-hmm. culture, culture. And, and I think if you don't have some understanding of this or some use of, of this, it probably hurts a little bit. Or mm-hmm. I, maybe I should say it the other way. It helps to have an understanding of this as you're creating your team culture. So, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I just kind of want to start with this thought, and this is just a very broad thought, but I mean, we're in a pretty powerful position here as coaches of running, because running is something you can do well beyond, you know, high school and college, like into your adult life, just And one of the things we talk about every year in clinical psychology, when we get to that unit, I'm not there yet, coach. I know you're not either probably, but we talk about protective factors of mental health and always at the top of the list is aerobic exercise. And that doesn't mean going out and run 10 miles. That just means going out and doing something to get your heart rate up. And I I feel like we're giving kids, you know, the ability to kind of learn that skill early in life in high school, and maybe they can carry that into their adult life and, and it can be something that can really help their their mental health well beyond the time that we spend with them. Uh, that was just kind yeah, of a broad um, thought. I think I read something and I won't be able to Google it as fast as I would want here probably, but I, there was a, um, I think it's the second most prescribed treatment for mental health behind drug therapy is exercise, um, aerobic exercise. So yeah, um, yeah, I just, it's a huge deal. Um, it's a huge helper. All the chemicals in the body. I kind of tell the kids sometimes it's like a shower for the bloodstream. Yeah. It just pushes all those chemicals we might have created during the day that are bad, uh, flushes them out and resets the body. And yeah, it's a huge, and you'll watch kids be exhausted and then go in the locker room and listen and hear them yell and laugh and have fun. And I think that there's something there too. And I'm not sure we're going to get into kind of the group psychology of it, but there's something about just like doing some hard work around other people and sharing that <laughs> sweat and you know, because I'll tell you what, like before a hard workouts, everybody's kind of nervous, right? Before a workout, everybody's kind of focused on themselves, but and once angry. they get <laughs> yeah, angry, but once they get done with a the workout, they want to chat it up so much. They want to chat yes. it up with us. They want to chat it up with their friends. There is almost like kind of a social lubricant that just running creates and, and doing hard work with other people creates, uh, which I've always found kind of fascinating. You even see it like as an adult, if you go to a, a 5k run, 
right? Everybody yeah. after the 5k run always kind of like hangs around and talks to each other. And there's a bunch of conversations going on and it it's something, there's some psychology there, no doubt. Yeah. You know, we, we called it a camp shared suffering. And then we eventually got when a week was over that it, it wasn't shared suffering. It was just shared. You know, we kind of took the suffering part out because you, you enjoyed it so much that you realized, okay, this doesn't suck. Yeah. It's just hard. But if I'm there with a teammate or I get to share that with my teammate, then we're just sharing hard things we do. Yeah. And there's something in that. So look, one thing I want to talk about, love, love to have your opinion on this, is how relative deprivation, which is a term that we talk about in AP psychology, kind of factors into how our kids sometimes compare themselves with others. So relative deprivation to the little little background is a psychology term that basically says like, when we compare ourselves with others, which I don't know about your runners, but my, my runners have a tendency to do. Mm-hmm. You almost always compare yourself with those not way above you and not way below you, but slightly above you. And so basically it's psychology's way of saying like, if you're, if you're a 18 minute 5k guy, like you're not comparing yourself to Cameron Todd, but you are comparing yourself to the guy that, you know, beat you by 15 seconds and ran 1745 last meet. I've always just found like when my kids get into that comparison game, it's just always a losing game. And as much as I encourage them to not compare themselves with other people, and I know, you know, you have a saying in your program that you were sharing with me pre-show that I love that you and coach Weinheimer talk about, about comparison, but it's just, it's just not going to be something you ever win in. Like there's always going to be somebody better than you. There's always going to be somebody that you think is, has got something that you don't have, or, you know, maybe they beat you for a County title or they ran faster than you at a really important meet, even though you beat them two or three times. So I tell my kids, like, what you really got to focus on is you. I mean, you got to focus on you and your improvement and it's not going to be linear. You're not going to improve every single time you go out and run a race. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you tell your guys and girls about comparison? Yeah. You know, and, and just to hit, hit that relative deprivation term first in psychology, we teach it the way you described it. And in sociology, they talk about it being a psychological push for most forms of like social movements. So, you know, um, Martin Luther King Jr. would have would have used relative deprivation to say, I'm as competent as that white man across the street. Mm-hmm. I deserve the right to vote. I deserve the right to, to participate in society fully. I shouldn't have to use other doors and, and, and uh, movie theaters and so forth. And so then then I'm going to protest for those equal rights. So it's a strong term. If, if, if coaches want to look that up, it's a great term to use with your team. Um, and it's got a huge powerful understanding of, of behavior, right? But we we talk about it. I think it, it's it's a Teddy Roosevelt quote, you know, President Roosevelt quote originally, but we say comparison is the thief of joy. And immediately you, you can't be happy with what you've done if you're constantly comparing that outcome to somebody else's outcome. I could get in a little trouble here because if you know my program, you'll know maybe what I'm talking about. I've had, I've had athletes before win a sectional or regional individual event in the 1600 or 3200 or 800 and cry because their time wasn't as good as somebody else's from two weeks ago on their own team. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've almost lost my temper with that athlete because you just won the sectional. There's only X number of winners in the state that day of the 1600 sectional. And, and you're now, you're sort of being rude or disingenuous to everybody behind you, second, third, fourth, fifth, all those places, because you're saying you're, you're winning. It wasn't good enough because you didn't live up to somebody else's performance two weeks ago in a dual meet. And um, it has a powerful impact on how they view their life and, and their achievements and their successes. Um, It's a big, big deal. And we're the information age, right? 
So yeah. when, when you and I you know, ran in high school, long time ago, <laughs> you couldn't access other sectional scores right away. Like you, you couldn't be on the bus riding home and see what happened at the Belmont sectional or the, you know, the Fisher's sectional or whatever, like the, that, that just wasn't available. Now they have all that available instantaneously. Yep. So it's so easy to look other people's times up other meets and try to compare yourself with that. And I look, we're dealing with that a little bit right now, right? Like some of our kids are not racing right now and they are truly just training because it's going to be a long season once we start racing. And maybe we tell them, Hey, let's, let's try to, you know, not engage in some of these indoor meets that are going on right now. Cause, cause there's a long season ahead of us and the biggest meets that we're going to be focused on are, are a long time from now, but they'll look at those results and they'll, they'll see that other people are running really well. And yeah. they'll say, can I do that? Like, I don't know if I can do that right now. Like, that's a pretty fast time. I don't know if I could yep. you know, do that right now. And they just start to doubt themselves. And, and so that's where I see that comparison being the thief of joy. I love that phrase. Like that, that's where I see that most is you should be taking joy and putting in some hard work right now and hoping, you know, it'll pay off when you start running meets and indoor meets and outdoor meets, but you because, fall into the trap of just looking at other people and comparing yourself yeah. to that. And there is a time to compare yourself to other people. When you get on the starting line, there's your competitors. Yeah. And you're going to pair your you're going to compare your effort and your place and your time. Our sport can't get away with some of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're yeah. going to have that. But yeah, the, the time isn't in practice and the time isn't when you just ran your best and the time isn't right after you finish either. I just saw a post that might have been by Steve Magnus about um like a sensitivity window mm -hmm. right before and right after different hard things that we tackle. And, and I'm not saying we always compare ourselves with people above us. Like there's sometimes that we will, we'll realize that we have blessings that other people don't. And I always joke with my yeah. classes, like we'll create a nice little Instagram post that ends with hashtag blessed. And, you know, we'll, we'll feel very good about ourselves, but most of the time what's happening is you're comparing yourself with people just above you. You know, the, this family has just a little nicer car than we do. This family has a little nicer house than we have. When you get into that kind of stuff, then then I think it can like harm your satisfaction with your own life. No, I agree. And, you know, it's easy. And high school kids don't know where that line's at either. So they, they compare themselves to the local high schools or the area high schools or coaches do it too. Like I, I, I'm guilty of it, you know, and we've just this past year, you know, we, we lost to Bloomington North and uh, in our conference meet and I turned to coach one number and I said, oh man, I started to say, always the bridesmaid, you know, never the bride. And, uh, cause they beat us. And then I, and then I stopped when, you know, mid sentence. And I said, ah, coach, that's not true at all. We've won our fair share of titles and we've done great yeah. things here. And it, it's, it's easy to fall in that trap. Isn't it? Oh, you, you are a hundred percent right. This happens to coaches. We are constantly thinking about the team that finished just ahead of us and the team that had more state qualifiers or yep. the team that, you know, got the better of us this year, like you you were talking about. And yep. look, and parents, parents, parents can do the same thing. And, and if their parents yep. are listening to this, I would say the easiest people to compare your, your kids to are the ones that are on your team. You cannot do that. Like when you're saying, you know, my, my, my son or daughter is, is finishing just behind John or Sally and uh, man, if they could just beat John or Sally, well, if they could just beat John or Sally, that'd do nothing for our team because they're on the same team. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yep. fight the comparison game, I guess, is just the whole sum of this conversation. Just it is. try, try not to compare yourself. Yeah. And what we try to do here, and it, it works sometimes and it doesn't work others, is we do what, you know, one of the comparisons you might make as a to yourself. That's the one we try to get like a, a temporal comparison to yourself. Where was I at last February 6th? Mm -hmm. 
Well, last February 6th, I was running 40 miles a week. Now I'm running 50 miles a week. I couldn't time trial a five minute mile. I can time trial a five minute mile. Like those are good, healthy comparisons. You see your growth mm -hmm. um, and you can see what you can do versus yourself over time. That's when we focus on here a little bit. And I don't know if it's hundred percent, the best example, but you know, that's controlling a controllable. Yes. What was I doing last year? What am I doing now? We, we focus on that a lot. Yeah, I think we can leave it there because that's that's the perfect ending. I mean, you you mentioned that on a previous podcast we did recently, just comparing yourself to where you were at this time last year. Yep. I and mean, that's a long enough time period that if you're putting in the work, you're going to see some measurable gains and gain confidence from that. Yep. So, so yeah, here's another one I have. Uh, another one I had usually is is something that we cover around the same time we cover relative deprivation, but it's adaption level phenomenon. If you if you know. Uh, your psychology, this is when we quickly adapt to our current status. So anytime we achieve something or we get something, we kind of adapt to that status very quickly. And then we're always wanting more. Like when you order something off Amazon, the happiest you'll ever be with that item is as you're tracking yes. the shipping to your house. And yeah. as soon as you get the item and you open it, that that's as happy as you'll ever be with it. From that point on, you'll adapt to having that item and it won't be as exciting <laughs> anymore. And that's just such a downer feeling, right? But Kids do this too. Once they run a 1730 and they've set their PR and now they see themselves as a 1730 and anything that's not a 1730 is a failure. And that that's just not how distance running and cross country and, and, and racing works. I mean, you're going to have ups and downs. We always say success is not linear and you got to kind of fall in love with the process and not always get consumed with, well, I've ran a 1730. So I ran a 1745 today. That's a failure. I, I didn't achieve my PR. So uh, what's your thoughts there? I mean, how do you deal with a kid that kind of develops that mindset or what are some tips and tricks that you'd, you'd share with that kind of situation? It's funny because I, I took, um, what is it? Dr. Lori Santos teaches the, the happiness course uh, from Yale. And, and I would recommend that to a lot of people, uh, to anybody. And uh, she talks about that a lot, right? Like the happiest day is the first time you get something. And one of the things we try to tell our kids, this is kind of new for us though, is that's not truly like new things like that. That's not what brings you real happiness, like to attach new things or, or even like the new boyfriend or new girlfriend. I always, you know, when, when I, especially when I taught sociology, I would talk to my class and I'd say, do you know when I theoretically, when I treated my to be wife, the absolute best was like when we first met, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like when we first met and that sounds terrible and sad and, and all those things, but, but like, that's when I needed to win her over and all that. And she was new and everything was great. Um, and then it does, it's like habituation, right? You get used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we try to tell them to imagine sometimes that it's not there. So I just challenged my kids just within the last 10 days, imagine what it would be like to not be on our team anymore. So you came to practice and I told you, I'm sorry, Jared, your behavior lately, you can't stay on the team. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You have to go home tonight. And then, so what would it be like to not have that? What would it be like to not be the 17 flat runner? 1730 runner. Hmm. Um, what, what would you feel like then? So now go back and be excited about where you're at and happy with where you're at because you didn't change. You just ran a little slower. Yeah. And right? what I'm or, thinking of as you're talking about this is, is kids with injuries who often oh, yeah. go through this psychological loop where yes. they deal with an injury and most of the things they love about their team are taken away from the team. The long runs that they share with teammates yes. and the yep. conversations they get to have before and after practices and all the things that they're separated from by doing. How far behind am I? When they're able to, you know, come back to the team and start training with the team again, there, there kind of is a vigor, you know, they, they truly learn to appreciate it because it was taken away from them for a short yes. amount of time.
Yeah. So that that's one of the things we do is try to tell them what what would it be like if you weren't this person anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also gives them a little appreciation for where they're at, right? Like what they've achieved and where they've been and those kind of things. And gosh, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day in class. We're talking about development in class. And I mean, these kids, maybe a few of the girls in class, because they tend to mature a little faster than even I do at my age, but but um, <laughs> maybe a few of the girls and probably very few of the boys, if any, their frontal lobe isn't fully developed yet. They're not rational all the time. So we're trying to teach rational things to kids who aren't fully rational yet. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, we're just teaching stages for like, Piaget and all those kind of things. And, you know, I, I can, I do the fake, um, you know, you guys are adolescents and right now it's role confusion and you don't know who you are yet. <laughs> but I just asked the kid the other day, like, who are you? What is, who do you see yourself as? If you had to define yourself on a flashcard, who would it be? And that's what I got back was silence. We're not silence. supposed to do silence on the radio, <laughs> but that's what I got back. And I'm like, are you a Smith? You know, fake last name. Are you a uh-huh. Smith? Well, yeah. But do you see yourself as that every day? Well, no. You know, are you a high school student? Well, yeah, right. Like so, so those kind of things. Um, not to get way off topic, but they can't grasp those. It's hard to get them to grasp some of these topics if you don't do it over and over and over again. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it is off topic, right? Because most of the kids that we have on our teams, that is part of their identity. Like part of their no, identity right. is I'm a runner. I've got a kid in every one of my classes, right? I got a I got a cross country track kid in every one of my classes. And all of them could, they, they have something they all smile. They've got yeah. something and not every kid does, you know? Yeah. And, and, and being a runner is bigger than just being a runner. It's being part of a team. It's being part of, you know, the successes yeah. and failures that you share. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're that crazy kid who wears shorts when it's 28 degrees out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> maybe they do have identity crisis, you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, I, I, I was super interested in, I, I don't know if you want to share this. I'm kind of putting you on the spot now, but um, one of the things I I've always kind of struggled with and, or at least try to look for ways to do a better job of is just like kind of checking in on my kids mental health wise. And I shared at the clinic and, you know, one of the things that I would do is like send a post-race survey out, right? So every race that we did, we'd kind of send out a little Google form and just ask kids about, you know, what do they think they did well in the race? What, what do they think they need to improve on just overall thoughts and, and that that was always really good information for me to get back because those are conversation starters, right? If they have if they have something on that form that's kind of concerning, I can talk to them and and hopefully we can kind of work through it together. But you know, you were telling me about some things that you guys do at Columbus North, just trying to check in on them, uh, giving kids a avenue to kind of talk about mental health and how they're feeling and and how they feel from day to day. Um, and then once again, kind of like with my post race survey, opening up a bigger conversation, maybe face to face. Yeah. So, so I'll hit um, real quick, the three big things we do here. Um, the first is, and this takes time, it, you know, it, every coach may not be ready for this. Um, you, you and I have been talking to a coach out there who has been asking us some questions, being a new high school level coach and, and he's going to be a great coach, I think, right? Like he's asking yeah. all the right things, all the right and, questions. Um, but, but you like that brand new coach may not be ready for this. It takes time to do other stuff first, but mm-hmm. um, every day I have what we just call a four minute talk. And I've got a very planned, um, very specific topic for us to go over. And it's just it's just another piece to get them through the day. And it's another piece to normalize a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Like that's one of the things I, I keep hearing from psychologists right now, especially in the, for, for this age group, both sport and non-sport, is just normalizing some of those feelings. Like yeah, it's okay to feel down. It's okay to not want to go to practice. 
how do we get through those feelings, realizing that everybody has those. So, so every day we have a three minute or four minute talk ready. One of the other things we try to do, we, we've just started this more officially as we try to grab every kid. I'm going to, well, shoot. Now, if any of my kids listen to this, the secret's out of the, <laughs> out of the bag now, but, I, but it's not a secret. I want to spend, I want to spend three minutes with every kid on a team, just me and them during the week. Yeah. So 70 kids were a big school. It's hard to do, but mm -hmm. every kid gets three minutes. And I guess then I hope some of you coaches realize um, the, the opportunity we have. That's 210 minutes I get to spend making their lives better. Mm -hmm. That's if it stops at three minutes. And and you'd be surprised how many of those conversations turn away from running and just to like oh, yes. general life topics, right? Yeah. In fact, I, I heard this from another coach. If um if my athletes only talk about running when I say how you doing, then I I probably I'm not doing a great job. Yeah. I that's all they, they associate about... me with. The, all yes. they associate me with as a coach is like, I'm interested in you because you're a runner, or I'm interested yeah. in you because you run well or a run on my this team. This is what you do for me. Yep. Yeah. And that's yep. not what I you just... want. No, and and my one of my three minute talks tonight, I actually told a girl, not hey, coaches out there. Coach Turner and I are not Sigmund Freud. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, although we could smoke a lot and maybe do some coke, but uh, this is a family show. Um, but, um, you know, we're not the best coaches in the world. And, and my gosh, I make mistakes. But today, and not every topic, we're not curing kids and we're not, you know, I tell dumb dad jokes nonstop. But, um, <laughs> but today I did. I had a real conversation with an athlete and I told the athlete, your self-worth, how much I care about you is not dependent on how fast you run. And I just, I just, I said that, that came out. It's just, it's not it, how much I said, I would, I would rather you smile and, and not have RBF than I would <laughs> you run a PR because at yeah. least then I know you're happy and I know, you know, I care about you and we're, we're, you're great. And, and I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And, um, and if you, you think, oh, all my kids already know that it does not hurt they to don't. verbalize it and they probably don't, yeah. you know, they so yeah. or they know it. She knows it today. And then when she runs a bad workout on Thursday mm -hmm. and, and not connected, I don't talk to her directly. Mm -hmm. Then it's right back potentially to, he didn't talk to me today because I ran a bad workout and he didn't like me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of my best runners that I've ever coached thought that I hated her every other day. Yeah. She, she genuinely thought I did not like her if she didn't run fast and, and I still is, apologize to her. This is great advice as a coach, because sometimes you don't, you don't always have the right words, right? Like after, yep. if they bomb a workout or they have a bad race and you think to yourself, like, I, I don't have the right words right now. Maybe I just need to give them some time to themselves. What's going through their head. Oftentimes is I I'm, cool. I'm disappointed. My coach, my I coach hates down. me now. My coach, yeah. I let my coach down and so maybe the thing to do at that point is even if you don't have the right words, just go over there and tell them what you told your athlete yep. this week. Like your self-worth has nothing to do with this race that you had or this workout you had today. You know, you're going to bounce back from this, uh, you know, just, just let them know you, you care about them. And, and, yep. and, and even hug. as I say yep. it right now, it's not coming out very well, but that's, that's what I mean. Like you might not always have the perfect thing to say and that's okay, but, but talk to them. Because otherwise their mind kind of starts going crazy about, you know, it does. coach is disappointed in me, so on and so forth. No, it does. It goes straight to those kind of things. And and I, my experience has been the more you invest in them one-on-one, -on -one, if you don't watch it, the more that happens, unfortunately. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if they think you just don't care about them at all, then, you know, I've had some athletes like that. They don't care. Mm-hmm. But, but then those athletes who you invest more time in because you want them to do well and all that, they take it personal just like we do. Um, so, so one of the things then that, that you and I talked about that I do to try to get a little deeper without having to do all those one-on-ones mm-hmm. is, I, is I use an app that's, um, if I'm pronouncing her name right, Diljeet Taylor, Coach Taylor from BYU's women's team. Mm-hmm. Um, she designed an app coming out of COVID to try to address mental health. And, and she talked about the fact that one year there were five NC, I think it was five NCAA uh, athlete suicides that year. Mm. And um, she just said, we're not, there's something I'm not addressing or something we're not addressing. And so she has an app called status strong. Um, and it just asks eight simple questions, nothing in depth. You don't have to worry about violating, you know, their privacy or you're not asking them questions like, you know, have you thought about self-harm? There's nothing like that nothing in there. Like that. Nope. It's just about your motivation, joy, sleep, recovery, stress, and anxiety, gratitude, self-worth, and overall mental health. And they answer on a green, yellow, red scale. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they, it just takes, I mean, it takes 30 seconds to two minutes to answer it. And, um, I can look at all their answers and I can get a feel of kids who are, um, uh, having two or three yellows in a row. If they've got a red on there, I'm going to go see them immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know, like they share it with me. And I've also told them if they don't want to share it with me, still do the app because you're going to be self-reflective. Great um, point. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I got my own two kids on there. I got to go home and talk to my, my, one of my kids tonight, one of the kids living at my house mm-hmm. about two yellows on there and say, what's up. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's what it is, one. right? It's, it's a pathway yeah. or an avenue to have a larger conversation. I mean, you talked about, they're very vague questions. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of detail out of these things, but I think that's the point, you know, you, it's a little check-in and and if there's something yep. on there that you're concerned about, then, then you have a longer conversation. One of your three, five minute conversations you were talking about. Exactly. And if I got to, if I got to look you in the eye and tell you like, coach, I'm really tired today. That's the same fear response they're going to get after a race that didn't go as well. Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't, they don't want to come to you and tell you they're not, they're, they're super tired. Yeah. Because that, that's another letdown, you know, mm-hmm. or a coach is going to get mad. I didn't but do something can, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you can click a button, you don't have to do the, the face to face yet. Yeah. I can go do the face to face as the adult who hopefully knows how to interact that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And teach them, right? Like teach them two things at once. Yeah. And well, and that's what, you know, you, you shared that a little bit more in depth with me, some of your, your, you know, once a week talks with the entire team, some of those topics that you talk about them for, you know, four or five, seven minutes, whatever you said. Um, and what I loved about them is they, they carry over from running to other aspects of life, you know, like pursuits of goals, right? Well, pursuits of goals is something that does apply to running, but it also applies to life. And they're probably dealing with it in other areas, whether it's the classroom or whatnot. And so once again, you're just kind of opening up these doors. I mean, and one of my good friends uh, who's a runner as well, always talks about building a kid's toolbox, right? Like may- maybe yep. you're not directly asking them about certain things, but you're introducing them to tools that they may use down the line that may come in handy down the line. And they may think of something that you've said to them. They may think of something that you made them do and become more self-reflective. And, and maybe they can use that down the line um, in their own lives, whether it's inside or outside of running. Yeah. Can can you imagine the power um of, um, you know, I, I attended at the clinic, the, I forget her name right now, but the speaker who talked about mental health and, and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, can you imagine if you can, you, you can prevent an athlete from looking at his or her body and saying, that's not good. 
if you yeah. can prevent that, I mean, that, that's a pretty serious topic, right? If mm -hmm. you can help prevent that or you can give them the skills to, to, to never go down that road, holy cow. And you don't have to be a, a trained psychologist to do that. You can just do simple things and you can just be there for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm super jealous of you because you you said that, for, what is this, next year that you've kind of introduced a cognitive neuroscience uh, unit or class that you get to teach there at Columbus North? Yeah, we're actually going to, I'm going to teach a course called, um, well, if I, we're enrolling kids right now, so we'll see if anybody takes it, but um, <laughs> we're going to teach um, neuropsychology, um, the study of um, happiness, emotion, and stress. And we're yeah. going to teach where those come from and then how you can deal with it. Um, yeah. And yeah. I love that. I mean- and to to maybe just kind of touch on that topic uh, because you know now I'm jealous. I wish I you know we had a course like that at Yorktown. But uh, you know I, I was hearing uh, some people talk. It was a cognitive neuroscience kind of like in preparation for a psychology lesson, and they got on the topic of exercise. They they were comparing exercise, I think, in a negative way to like addictive drugs, like because we can get a little neurotic as runners. You know, if we yeah. miss a run, we feel off. Um, it, we, we have a change in mood sometimes, even if yeah. we miss, miss a run, uh, we're just so yeah. structured. And so yeah. they were saying, well, it, so, so is running just another addiction? Like is running and just another bad thing? And she said, absolutely not. Here's the big difference. When you exercise, you are basically enabling an entire reward system boost. Whereas if you're yeah. taking an addictive drug, you know, let's say cocaine or heroin, it, it hijacks the reward system and it only allows you to experience that reward through use of the drug. And you really don't get happiness or joy through anything else. You don't get happiness through, you know, being around your loved ones. That's why a lot of drug addicts will, you know, do things that harm their own family to get another, you know, hit of that drug. She said, exercise is the exact opposite. It is a natural reward. It's, it's our brain's best natural reward system. And it's the way our reward system was intended to work by nature. So when you go out for a run and, and maybe you get the runners high, or maybe you don't, you're actually enabling your, your reward system, not only feel good about yourself. I mean, everybody who's listening to this has been out on a run before and all their kind of worries and anxieties just kind of melt away. I mean, that that's like our natural reward for exercise. She said, but not yeah. only does it do that, it heightens pleasure in other activities. So yeah. all of a sudden, like spending time around your family, you get more joy out of that because the reward system has been like robustly primed through exercise. And I yeah. just found that fascinating. Do you know what the, I don't, I, I I was looking at something right in front of me on my other screen too. And I, so if, if you said this, I apologize. No, it's all but right. We used to call that the runner's high. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, uh -huh. that's, that's it. And, and so I'm Googling now in front of me here, the national uh, Institute for health says that by definition, addictions are devastate is a devastating disease. They use the term addiction for bad outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, mm -hmm. so yeah, we're, we're doing something that's good outcomes, um, it becomes what we call a habit. And I don't think that's, mm -hmm. I don't think that's a small distinction. It could be gardening. No. Oh, it yeah. could be photography, you know? Yeah. And because running is something that you do have to be pretty well trained in to get that joy out of it. If you're out of shape and you go for a run, there's nothing enjoyable about it, <laughs> but so you gotta you know, enjoy the outcome us, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. But for us, I mean, who enjoy running and it's, it's an aerobic exercise that we enjoy we get just the best rewards from it because it is our brain's natural best reward. I mean, this is the way, this is the way your brain is wired naturally to reward you, right? You like you exercise and your brain, your brain basically responds by saying like, Oh, this is important to me. 
And, and we've kind of made this distinction before, like your body's like, oh, this is important to me. And so all of a sudden it starts kind of giving you reserves and giving you energy and giving you dopamine and all these positive things within yep. your brain that are like, you know, hey, let's let's reward this guy for exercising, yeah. for really moving forward in their life, right? Yeah. And it's funny you say that dopamine, because I, I was going to say dopamine has been linked to uh, memory mood, sleep, uh, uh, like learning, concentration, all the things that, that they're finding might have a connection for dementia mm -hmm. and, and those kind of things. And, um, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's a, it's a healthy, healthy thing that, and I'm going to get busted on my computer. Cause I, I typed in like addiction drugs came up. All <laughs> yes. kinds of stuff. This may be our yeah. last podcast. That's right. They're going to be down <laughs> in your room first thing tomorrow morning, <laughs> investigating why you're searching all these things up, but yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of all, uh, I had coach you anything else that, uh, that you, I mean, I feel like that's a good way to end it right there. I mean, running is what we all love and, and, um, you know, it, it's naturally rewarding to the body, which is just like the best perk ever. Yeah. And I would say if coaches want to look up something else on their own, I, I, um, you know, you and I talked about this off, off, uh, our pre-show before we got started, you know, look up the general adaptation syndrome, GAS. Yes. If you type in GAS psychology, it'll come up and that'll explain a lot of how all of this works, but then it also explains how training works. Absolutely, um, if you want to understand does. how training the body works for distance running, look up the general adapt adaptation syndrome. Why am mm -hmm. I forgetting his name now? Um, Hans, Hans Selye. Selye. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And so um, you look that up. And it just talks about how our body needs good stress also. Yes. Like mm -hmm. don't tell your kids stress is bad. Mm -hmm. Handling stress poorly is bad. Having yes. too much of the wrong types of stress are bad. But stressors make our body better. Like there is healthy stress that we need. Um, if you can learn how to deal with, I've got a test tomorrow and I got to study for it tonight. And then I do the right things and I take the test. You may have to live with the outcome. That's a different thing. Mm -hmm. but, but that's healthy stress. Mm -hmm. Running five miles until your body adapts, that's healthy stress too. Yeah. Um, and so um, like that's a great thing to look up, general adaptation uh, syndrome. Yeah, and, and you're uh, right. Like matches up perfectly to training that we do in cross country all the time. Yep. And I love what you said about stress because that's true. I mean, I think we do the same thing with anxiety. I, I know there are anxiety disorders and I know there are people that suffer from anxiety disorders, but we've kind of demonized anxiety to the point where we think all anxiety is bad. I mean, if you feel anxiety, good. You're you're human. Yeah, <laughs> you're it's a human. natural it's response. It's a normal human emotion. And anxiety really does kind of, you know, push your body to respond to stresses. If something yeah, is important it, to you, anxiety is yep. what drives you to meet that challenge. But we've kind of demonized it a little bit. Like anxiety is always yep. bad. It, it's definitely not. No. And, and, you know, our brain, my, my, my athletes know this, my students are learning this now. I tell them now I say, your brain is hardwired for what? And they say negativity. <laughs> because it's a protection like our brain most of us our brain wants to protect us from anything harmful you get broken up with the mm -hmm. brain says don't go out with somebody again you're going to get broken up with that's when that i tell them like i tell my students um when they say i'm not ready i'm not ready yet i just got no you are ready your brain's telling you you're not because you don't want to get hurt again yes yeah but, but we're always ready for companionship mm -hmm. you know and and that's that's it and i i heard a Oh, what is his name now? The the father of positive psychology. Oh, oh Martin Seligman. Yes, Seligman. He yeah. said, um, he said on the last Ice Age, all the positive people, all the optimistic positive people, are like, hey, it's a nice day out here. I'm gonna go outside of the cave. And they die in the ice age. Yeah. And then all those people are like, Oh, it looks nice today, but I'm not going outside because I, I it's just gonna be crappy tomorrow. I know it. 
they stayed in there and they survived. They were the they preppers. The That's their brain. modern day preppers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they pass along those bad brains to us. So he said, oh, your ancestors for that, but that's but so anyway, funny. Yeah. Kids get that way before a run too, right? Like oh, nobody yes. before a run, especially if it's like a, it's a weekend and you're doing it on your own. You don't have friends to you know hold you accountable. When you're getting ready for that run, you're like, your body's, your body and brain are screaming at you. Like, do we really want to do this? Like, is this really what we want to spend our energy on? Yes. This is really going to suck. Like we really shouldn't do, but you know what? As soon as you take like that first step and you get into the rhythm, all that kind of like fades away and then you're just on another yes. run. But you're right. Your brain is like protective. Do we want to spend our energy on this? And a lot of times it kind of has a negative approach to getting that first step taken. So yes. yeah, good point. Yeah, otherwise we'd say, I love you to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't exactly. be scared of saying that. Yeah. Oh, well, good stuff, coach. Uh, Good to get back with you again. I know a lot of people were on us at the clinic for uh, not having a recent podcast. So there's no doubt that factored into us getting one done. Have a good week. I'm ready for an indoor meet now. You said don't be ready for one, but I'm ready for one now. (laughs) I'm pumped up. Uh, they're, They're coming. They'll be here before you know it, coach. You know that. All right. Well, hey, have a great week, coach. Yeah, thanks. And I am looking forward to our next one. Me too. All right. Thanks for listening to the Talking Distance podcast. Just a couple of reminders. Don't hesitate to reach out to us via email. Talkingdistancepodcast at gmail.com is the way to get a hold of us there. Uh, we're on X, previously known as Twitter, at Talking Distance, and on Instagram, at Talking Distance Podcast. Also, huge thanks to The Dip, which is a fantastic band out of Seattle, Washington, for our intro and outro music today. Definitely check out their music. And last but not least, I want to thank all of you guys, the athletes, coaches, and supporters that make Indiana distance running the absolute best. 